0: Your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to a Thursday of Lacrosse Talk PM. If you want to get in here, got a couple minutes. Call me now six zero eight seven eight five seven nine one four because I don't have anything to talk about. <laughs> I've been I've been planning the show for who I'm going to have on later, but I forgot to like plan this section of the show. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, six zero eight eight, five, seven, nine, one, four. I'm not kidding actually, but Jessica Olson's going to come on in eh, nine minutes or so, depending on how long I pretend to ramble here. And she's one of 10 candidates running for mayor. We're going to do another mayor show. I'm trying to get, uh, everybody on before the Tuesday primary and Jessica's a city council member since 2017, I believe. And she's one of those. kind of you know. She's one of those people that has a little bit of insight into how the city government works. So while we we have other candidates that are just business owners or work you know outside the city government, I think you know when we talk to them, part of the the issue there might be just the ins and outs and of how everything works. And that's, that's when you come to, you know, should there be like a city administrator position? If we had that, man, it'd be nice to just have that uh, ready to go just in case we need it. Hey, we elected, you know, this person who has never been involved in government, doesn't have a whole lot of experience there. Let's get a city administrator. Let's just do it for this next, for at least a year. Let's get someone in here part-time or something. I don't know. Uh, it would be kind of interesting if we could do that, like right on the fly. Just have it ready to go. Have it in our pocket. Have it loaded in the chamber just in case. Like, I'm not sure if that's uh, possible, but it would be interesting. Martin Gall was on here yesterday. Uh, he's a city council president. so There's also a city council meeting tonight, and I didn't even look at the agenda. Actually, I usually do that, but the last time I tried to find the agenda, it wasn't up, but that was on Monday across city council. Totally blanked on that. that, but I did ask Jessica. If she would have time to uh, to even talk about the 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 agenda tonight, and she was like, "No, I gotta go." She she actually har- hardly has time to come on <laughs> here, so I'm gonna try to bring her on a little bit sooner, just so she can get back to city council stuff. Um, and if you want to just just lacrosse city council, and then you can go meeting details, and then you can start downloading the PDFs. There's only um, there's only like 30 things on here. Let's just pick one. Um, Appendix C, alcohol license fees for 2021. So, yeah, just a couple of things on the agenda. Brad's busting in here. He's going to, oh, he's sending me the agenda. You don't want to just give us a rundown, Brad? Have you memorized the agenda yet? Oh, I don't. I can't read and talk at the same time. I just don't. That That's just covered because Brad hasn't looked. At, he's only printed off the agenda. He isn't. Oh, he circled a couple of things, though did circle some things. Uh report, let's just go to the circles. Uh, agenda item 21-0041, report of bids and resolutions awarding contract for uh Polinger Electric in the amount of $32,000 for the Green Island tennis courts light installation. Got to get those lights up on the tennis courts. Uh number next circle, uh uh resolution authorizing the city to retain Truger and Dickinson, and Napoli and Scholnick. Sorry about that. I don't know what that word is. Uh, and I don't even know why. Retain them for what? Who knows? <laughs> uh, another item circled by Brad, an ordinance to repeal and recreate chapter 105, of the code of ordinances of the City of La Crosse regarding stormwater erosion control. Uh, man, these are really boring, Brad. I don't know why you circled these. I mean, the one that has $32,000 for tennis lights, we can all just go, yeah, that's too much for tennis lights, tennis court lights. Just pull your car up, turn the headlights on bright. People don't need to. Who's playing tennis after dark anyway? Come on. Go get your own tennis courts. Cities shouldn't be providing those. And I wonder if these tennis courts turn into pickleball courts. And also we should get rid of some of the tennis courts and make them sand volleyball courts. That's what we should be doing. Uh, 608-785-7914 is the talking text line. Uh Libertarian guy he does have a question for Jessica Olson, so I will uh I'll proofread that before I bring her on. But I'm just gonna let's go to break. Let's get Brad to do the news and we'll bring Jessica on here. And who is calling? Number three is calling. Let's see. Maybe number three has number three, do you have do you have something that you want me to ask Jessica Olson? Hello. Yeah, you're on. Go ahead.
1: Good. Thanks for taking my call. You know, this thing about a city administrator, I was kind of against it, but it might be kind of a good idea thinking that if we had a city administrator that knew, you know, a little bit about everything, we might not have to, we wouldn't have to hire a consultant every time something big comes up.
0: Okay, so we get. Well, let's say we get our next mayor, and that's one of the paths we go down. How would you do as the city administrator? Would you be able? Would you be up to the task as a re, old retired guy that thinks he knows everything?
1: Well, I think I could save the city a lot of money in a lot of w- different ways. Number one, yeah, I just heard you talking about thirty three thousand dollars for lights at the tennis court.
0: Thirty two thousand five hundred seventy dollars. Let's well, not get I think over. we should it.
1: be able to play tennis before it gets dark. <laughs> and to give you an example. Sometimes the mosquitoes down there are so bad they'll carry your weight out of the swamp down there. That's,
0: that's all the more incentive to keep playing, keep playing. You, you don't got all stop. Those
1: lights down there at the baseball park, across the creek there from the tennis court, they were never even on last year.
0: Well, we're saving electricity then, at least.
1: Yeah, we had millions of dollars. Tied up in that, and they never play the uh, game because of the virus, you know. But it's still thirty-three grands—a lot of money for lights down there.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a midsize. People
1: should be able to play tennis before it gets dark. and stays light until nine o'clock.
0: I mean, or we buy we we buy a nice uh, mid sized uh, car, and then we just use the headlights from the car to light the uh, the tennis well,
1: court. Well, either that or all the people who want to play tennis could park up, make up a, a little cliff or a, a dike there, and they could park their car up, slant down a little bit. And give them enough light to hit the ball.
0: Yeah, exactly. They got
1: fluorescent balls now that show up good and dark.
0: They got balls that light up. I think. I think uh, that's well.
1: It. Hey, well, get get a couple dozen. Ball- well, they could buy their own balls.
0: Yeah, we've. I, I think we solved it. So uh, good thing. Uh, you know, I think you'll have to get on the uh, the city council uh, meeting tonight and maybe voice that's your all opinion.
1: All they need is another old white guy like me on there and then shoot me.
0: <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks for the call. All right, now we'll go to break. Now we'll go to break. When Jessica Olson running for mayor, she's going to come on uh, right after this. All right, welcome back to the Crosse Talk PM six zero eight seven eight five seven nine one four is the talking text line. Jessica Olson's running for mayor. She's on with me, uh, Jessica. Right off the bat, Chad texted in and he said, "If you if lacrosse wants a city administrator, they can have Holman's. He doesn't. He's not. Uh, he doesn't approve of the Holman city administrator or village administrator." Um I was just talking about that right before you came on. Uh, the idea we have 10 candidates we 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 don't quite know if they all would know all the ins and outs of a government uh you know how governments run so would would the idea of having a city administrator be be a good one?
2: Well, Rick. Well, first off, thank you for having me on this afternoon. It's a pleasure to be here and talk with you. Um, now, as you know, we had a referendum not long ago, and the public's uh, voice on that issue was was pretty pretty clear. Um, and I certainly think that that question is not something that would be unilaterally driven by the mayor himself herself, but rather by the council. Um, and I'm open to reconsidering that notion. But I think, as a, as an elected official, uh, you learn after a number of years that you you would really do have to ask what is the will of the people and in the case of a referendum you can't get much more clear-cut as far as gauging public sentiment on an issue so I I think we would almost need to revisit it through a referendum to really reconfirm that that was the will of the people in the city.
0: Was that referendum in 2012?
2: It was uh, definitely before I was on city council, so okay. yeah, it, it was quite a few years ago. And so, of course, people's opinions might evolve over time, but I don't think we should presume. So, I think we need to do some careful homework and uh, p- bring in a lot of public input before moving in that direction.
0: Yeah, and that, that was another thing with the uh, the north south corridor, and that being on the 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 DOT, you know, agenda or whatever, and and we we. We when I when I talked about that in the show, it was hey that's that was on a referendum. We already said we don't want a North Saw Corridor. and I was like, well, that referendum was kind of a while ago. I Feel like we could revisit that stuff, but
2: well, it it was. But at the end of the day, the marsh is our gem. I people who are from Lacrosse know the value and and the rarity of that marsh, uh, and and uh, I don't know anybody who is from Lacrosse that wants us to put any more pavement or metal or plastic or anything artificial in that beautiful uh, reservoir of nature. I think we have an important value to that land that is related to our flooding and water management, um, in addition to just being a, an amenity that people can enjoy uh, as, as part of their life here. So um, that 5B1, the, the highway, that was pretty straightforward, and I don't think uh, anything has changed about public sentiment about that one. So I was very glad to vote in favor of our, our resolution to ask the state to deenumerate that and, and just push it off the table for good.
0: Yeah, at some point, Jessica, I mean, a couple of years from now, we're all going to be in flying cars anyway, so we're not going to need the roads.
2: <laughs> uh, well, you know, I haven't heard much about flying cars on the campaign trail, but you know, <laughs> I've sure had a lot of people asking about what we're going to do as leaders uh, about our homeless population, and I think I, I'm very glad that that issue has come front and center to our, to our public discourse in this election because we need to move the needle. We need to take bold, effective Solutions and and take the jump and and make the investments to support this population because uh, it, it really these these short term solutions that aren't giving us long term benefit are just pushing the problem off by a few weeks to a few months and uh, we really do need to show that we're we're dedicated to to making headway on this on this issue.
0: Yeah, I see. Uh, when I when I leave work, uh, if I leave work early after the show, I will always see a bunch of people outside the warming center uh, waiting to get in and. I I was, you know, immediately start feeling bad. And then you got to wonder, uh, what about the other people that aren't in, you know, lining up to get into the, to the warming shelter or the warming center or the shelters at night and what are they doing? And obviously we, we've talked about it, uh, Uh, Earlier this week is the you know, the idea that that fire started downtown because somebody might have been trying to keep warm in an alley somewhere. So, um, you know, then all of a sudden, then it's a problem, right? Like then it's a problem. We have to do something about the homeless because they've started downtown on fire. But other other than that, then we kind of ignore it until the summer when uh, we're giving tickets to people in Cameron Park.
2: Well, I think the need for effective solutions, is it's, it's grown, and it is going to continue to grow because the eviction moratorium is eventually going to expire, and we're going to see uh, further stress on our economy trickle down and cause even more people to fall into uh, a situation where they cannot have a stable roof over their heads. And so my background on the council, working with uh, other members of the county board and uh, other council members, the city staff, looking for ways we can come up with uh, resources to really provide a better way forward uh, is something critical that I bring to this race. Uh, now, the continuum of care uh, for the balance of state, that, that's the state-level agency that's providing supportive administrative services for all the the nonprofits and service providers. Uh, now, they've said that we need approximately 161 units to address the uh, needs of the homeless rehousing uh, situation, uh, 77 of which would be the rapid rehousing with intensive case management which is the more sophisticated level of services required to really help people get back on their feet um and you know that is a tremendous need that i i want to see the city step up and be the the willing and eager partner to help make make headway on this and um that's actually a a very important goal for for me as the the new mayor
0: yeah so the idea here is to 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 best help the homeless we get them in uh, with uh, get a roof over their heads and then they can kind of start you know start from scratch at least they can take a shower and they have a home base and then they can start you know w- you know putting their life back together is that kind of the idea there
2: well, um I don't know if you recall but in November I'd actually wrote a guest column about some of my ideas uh in the Tribune. Um it is supportive of better city county cooperative relationships and one of my suggestions was um to seek out capital funding to help purchase the Econolodge um and that would help our our neighboring Entities not have to worry about rent money or lease money. Um, we do that for other nonprofit organizations, uh, such as Wiscor, the Con- Convention and Visitors Bureau, the-, the North and South Side Senior Centers. So it's actually not unheard of for the city to be the landlord for other nonprofits to come in and do their good work. And so that's that's what's inspired me to to push for the idea of purchasing a building, uh, whether it's the Econolodge Lodge or another place somewhere that's already. a Established for residential use, but that would provide uh, the, the people living there a, a balance between privacy and community. Um, <clears throat> that's maybe one of the things that's missing when you take somebody and put them in, into a house or an apartment somewhere. Um, but then they're, now they're isolated from that social circle that they had de- depended on in homelessness. So I, I think uh, you know there was lessons learned from last year when uh, we utilized the Econo Lodge uh, in terms of, of providing a housing option for the, the Covid quarantine isolation, and so the, the the lessons learned can be applied to a newer, bolder strategy, and I'm, uh, I'm I'm confident to take that step.
0: We're speaking with Jessica Olson. Olson, she's one of ten candidates running for mayor. You, Jessica, nobody, uh, everyone wants to help the homeless, but then uh, you know the homeless can't vote as well. You know they're not, they're probably not not that they can't vote. They can't. They're probably not listening as much to the show right now. But uh, so I don't know. This isn't a great path for you to to, to listen. No, I'm just kidding. Um, the the idea here too is, uh, can we just buy a Shopco? You you talk about it's got to be a residential, so we can't just buy one of the Shopcos and turn it into uh, some kind of uh, you know apartment complex, huh?
2: Well, it, here's where my business background really comes into play t- in terms of uh, developing a, a good solution, is that when you take a, a property that's not currently used as a residence and want to transform it into a residence, uh, there's a whole lot of costs and uh, work that you have to, to go to to make it up to code uh, so that you can utilize it as a, as a you know, sleeping area for people. Um, and so I see costs involved in transforming any uh, random big box into something that's appropriate or code compliant for residential as being maybe not the most efficient use of resources. Um, because at the end of the day, it's not just about having a physical thing over your head. It's about uh, somewhere where somebody can get their life back on track. And so that's why I look to places like motels, hotels, apartments, et cetera, because those are already two yeah. standards to provide for, for residential
0: living. Is it cost effective? Uh, just in terms of like you, you say, the city is leasing out the Econo Lodge right now. Is it is it just more cost effective?
2: Uh, um, actually, it's it's the county and it's it's a partnership between the county and Catholic Charities at the Econo Lodge at the moment.
0: Okay, so the city you're, you're talking like maybe the city would help out in this way, but you're saying like maybe just in, in like take over the Econo Lodge or something like that.
2: Well, no, you see, the city does not actually have its own health and human services division. Uh, I don't want to replicate county-level services at the city level. But what I do want to look at is how do we already help nonprofit partners? And uh, what I just said about how we play landlord to many great organizations. And so I I don't see any difference between providing uh, a building location for a senior center versus uh, providing a building location for, let's say, Catholic Charities or another partner. Um, and that would alleviate the burden of having to come up with rent payments, um, as what's been happening uh, with with the the, the current Econo Lodge uh, agreement. And um, as mayor of La Crosse, I would be more than happy to reach out to the county board, to Catholic Charities, to say w- we want to be the capital investor to what you need. That's not saying that we would provide the actual social services. That's what the county does best. That's mm-hmm. what Catholic Charities does best. Uh, but rather, let's empower those partners to do what they do best, rather than us trying to replicate it. Um, I think that's how good partnerships are built, and that's what I've sought in my years on city council and what I'd like to bring to the city as mayor.
0: How are people doing that have, have been in the Account Lodge, uh, homeless people anyway, uh you, have they trans- transitioned from there into uh permanent housing somehow have you do we keep track of stuff like that
2: well i had the opportunity to speak to 10 homeless individuals who had stayed at the econo lodge last year and overwhelmingly and this was at the point in time where that um, was actually shut down for a short while. So they had come out of the Econo Lodge and they were back to the pre-Econo Lodge scenario. And um, overwhelmingly, they said that there were benefits to having the Econo Lodge be a basis uh, of, of of living for them uh, that they're not receiving in, in alternative, like whether it's communal shelter or at Cameron Park, et cetera um, which you know if there's advantages there that that they don't get in their current situation, we have to look at that and say, well is it worth it well if they can have communal meals at the hotel together then you don't have to worry about delivering food to multiple different locations um you don't have to worry about gathering up your stuff and getting out of the facility by a certain hour of the day um th- th- there was just a, a certain smoothness to that the, uh, the way it was set up in the at the Econo lodge and this was after talking to some of the people who were running the operation up there um that made it really a, a worthwhile thing to consider as as a next step solution um, and uh, uh, some of the landlords that I've spoken to who are very wary about who they who they rent to, I asked them, well, if you had somebody that didn't have a strong rental history, but if they stayed in a county program or a Catholic Charities program at a hotel for six months and they showed that they're ready to get back on track in life and they've got a job and they have a rhythm of life down, would you consider renting to somebody in that situation? And they've been saying, yeah if if somebody can demonstrate that they're ready to get back on track then i'm willing to take a chance on them and i think that's going to be the key to helping us m- move out of our, our 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 challenges and helping people just restore their lives to normal
0: yeah i think a lot of people want to know the, uh, how how successful how successful that is in in transitioning uh you know to that from from maybe the econolodge to uh to to something more permanent mhm uh, Jessica Olson's with us. She's uh, running for mayor. Do you have to go? You, I know you have a city. I got a couple minutes yet, to, I, but I know you have the city council stuff to get to.
2: Oh, I, I do, but you know, there, in more than just homelessness, I, obviously we have a, a huge challenge in economic recovery from COVID. We have to ensure that our local businesses are getting assistance uh, quickly and efficiently. We have to make sure that no one is left behind in this recovery, and I'm ready to step up and, and be that as the new mayor.
0: All right. So, um, you know, with with that, that that always seems to be, you know, you talk about the, the homeless thing and the COVID thing are, are actually kind of going to clash at, at some point, if not already. Um, but but the idea of helping, you know, how much do you think your term would be as mayor would be just to, to getting out of this hole that COVID, COVID has put us into?
2: I, I, it will take a long time. It will take a long time. But I'm optimistic, Rick. This city is full of great people. I know it because I've lived here my whole life. And we got a better shot at, at 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 climbing back out of this hole as anybody else. And um, I'm there to serve, and it would be a privilege to serve this city as the next mayor.
0: All right. Aside from COVID, homeless, what what would be third on your list of like here here's where you know we we could use you know here's where I I want to do make some change with uh, as mayor.
2: The public transparency and engagement. I think the the, the pandemic shutdown has showed us a, a great deal of opportunity in terms of bringing people to the table, and and really involving everybody in this recovery process. Uh, and that could include policy change at the city level in terms of uh, uh, keeping video archives online for people to look at at any point in time without having to email the clerk for a link. Um, I, I think we we've seen a revolution in how we interact. And communicate with each other and I want to seize that to to really enhance how people experience and interact with the government
0: yeah I definitely I, I I I follow the count I follow all of the the city and county stuff on Facebook but when the county board meeting comes up I get a little notification I'm like oh the county board and I can I can turn it on uh, that doesn't so much happen with like the city council meeting uh that would be nice if it was if it always lived on the city's Facebook page or something like that
2: or YouTube or another service. I'm open to uh, having our great art IT department look into all possible options and um, getting some input from the city council as well. We're going to have a, a council with many new faces and um, some younger folks, and I think uh, we're going to take input to see what direction we're going to go, but I definitely want to leave the city in a better shape than I I come into office. And, uh, you know, definitely involving the people and making them feel ownership of, of their city government is is very critical.
0: All right, Jessica Olson, she's running for mayor, one of 10 candidates. Thanks a lot for joining us, Jessica.
2: Hey, thanks, Rick. Have a good night.
0: You too. Bye. Bye. All right, got to take another quick break. Well, it's not a quick break because we've got Scott's comment, then Brad doing the news, and then we'll come back and we're going to talk about the, uh, the, 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 the I want to say the Criminal Justice Management Council Subcommittee Police Oversight Board. How about that? Police Oversight. Citizens overseeing the police as opposed to doing it internally. Uh, all right, we'll be back. All right. Welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talking text line. We're going to go from one topic to another. Totally just kind of a different topic. I guess we could have talked to Jessica Olson about this, but Joella Striebel is on the phone with me. Joella is the chair of the, here we go, Criminal Justice Management Council subcommittee and looking at police oversight. Essentially, the the county, I think the county is talking about creating a citizens police oversight board something to uh check the uh, check on the police right
3: yeah essentially so this it started from over the summer um i think everyone's probably familiar with some of the events that took place um related to george floyd and and other unfortunate um events that took place and there was a big response to that right here in lacrosse um a number of different protests and things and one of the um, ideas that came out of some of those protests and what many community me- community members were asking for is to have um, increased oversight of police here in Lacrosse. That was something that the community, or at least parts of the community, have asked for. Um, and so the Criminal Justice Management Council, in response to that, formed um, a number of subcommittees. And one of those is the subcommittee that we're talking about tonight, which is looking at the potential for a police oversight board of some sort um, here in our community
0: now there was just the survey I think last Friday was the last day to be able to fill out that survey and it was circulating and um, you know it just kind of asked a, a lot of questions about how people feel about the police and and and, and having some kind of oversight board um, and you know the, the there there we do have an oversight board with the police at least we have how many do, is it the fire commission do we have any other ways to oversee what the police is doing the police and fire commission
3: the police and fire commission is the primary um i guess you could say oversight currently for for police and that's those those uh like the the purview of the police and fire commission is determined by wisconsin state statute so they have some statutory you know obligations and responsibilities and so what we're looking at is something that would sort of complement what the Police and Fire Commission is is doing currently. One of the models that we're looking at is what Madison put into place. Um, it's, it, we're quite fortunate that Madison already did a lot of this homework for us because there are those state statutes around Police and Fire Commissions and kind of looked at what are the gaps, you know, where is there perhaps room for um, additional oversight and also for, sort of bridging those gaps in the community with populations that may be less trustful of police for various, you know, historical um, reasons and and generational reasons. And how do we ensure that a body like, for example, the police and fire commission is accessible to folks who might want to talk to them, you know, so looking at how do concerns about law enforcement get expressed and, and managed in our community. And is that, you know, we, we see a lot, of um, people end up just posting things on social media. You know, we we see videos start to go around on social media about police encounters. And that tells us, you know, those of us who are kind of looking at this, people don't know what they're supposed to do. You know, people don't necessarily know what the right avenues are for addressing a concern, um, for determining, you know, is this a valid concern or complaint? And if so, how do we make sure that the appropriate people are looking at it to to address these issues and make sure that we're all staying safe, you know, both us as community members and then also, you know, police who are also community members, but um, with the role that they're playing, we want everyone to feel safe and that there's, there's accountability and transparency and good communication.
0: We're speaking with Joella Striebel. She's on, she's the chair of the criminal justice management council subcommittee, looking at police oversight. How much did the, you uh, you know, if you want to call them protests or rallies, uh, in Lacrosse, over the summer, essentially over over the killing of George Floyd, and then what happened with Jacob Blake and Kenosha, um, just maybe open a lot of people's eyes to oh, we have this uh, you know minority community in Lacrosse who don't feel very safe uh, when it comes to police, and you know otherwise I don't even know if if we we, we the community would even be thinking about that in any you know relative terms.
3: Right. It certainly was, you know, the impetus for this. And, uh, you know, people had their voices heard. And it was a pretty, in my opinion, it was a cool thing to see. I mean, I think it was 700 some people at one of those protests showed up in Riverside Park to address these issues. And and uh, at that particular protest, we had, you know, Mayor Cabot was there and Chief Kudron was there um, to hear some of these concerns. And to know that you know we do have folks in our community who who don't necessarily feel safe or trusting um, with law enforcement. Now, whether that is based in reality or whether that's based in perception, you know, there's there's an argument to be made that perception is reality for you know the people who have that perception. So, how do we engage people to improve those relationships and to you know this is it benefits not just those folks but also police officers. Um, who we have spoken with, too, you know, we've spoken with several law enforcement leaders in our community who said they want to improve those relationships. They want to understand how to establish trust. And they do, um, they do acknowledge that it's not even a matter of rebuilding trust. In some cases, it's, it's, a, it's starting from, from scratch to build that trust in the first place. And so that's certainly part of what inspired this and, um, you know, it, it is what we're looking at. Not whether, you know, do we need this, do we not need this, but we've had people tell us that we need this. You know, people in our community who are disproportionately impacted by policing practices um, have said, we want this, we need this. And so what we're looking at, our subcommittee, um, which I just want to be clear, is an informal, ad hoc subcommittee. We don't have any authority to create an oversight board. We are simply doing research, um, you know, about what the models are that are out there and, and how those are successful and what might that look like in Lacrosse if we were to implement something?
0: Now we've had some pushback on our airwaves and on our website. Uh, the, the, Bill fian has a, a podcast called Fact Check that that he and he, you know, if you want to listen to that, it's it's posted on our website. But he pushed, pushed back against some of the 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 survey questions, the uh, the idea that we ask in the survey what your race is uh, when 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 asking about whether or not we should have a a citizen's police oversight board.
3: Yeah. And I did, uh, thanks Rick. I did get a chance to listen to that podcast and it's, it's um, fascinating and honestly a little bit perplexing um, that uh, a a renowned fact checker wouldn't have an understanding that basic demographic information is typically collected in these sorts of surveys. Um, Pretty much any sort of, you know feedback community input survey collects basic demographic information like age race and gender um and that's so that we can you know sort of categorize that inform or those those uh that inputs appropriately and to see where those differences are you know to look at are there specific demographics who feel less trustful of police or who seem to be less likely to know where to go in case of a complaint um so it's not at all unusual to collect very basic demographic information when we do these sorts of surveys.
0: Yeah, so it's and and the, an
3: interesting, uh, interesting critique, I guess, of the survey.
0: Well, it is kind of funny too, because I don't, and not funny, but peculiar, I guess. Uh, the whole idea of of uh, the, this all starts because of race and police. So um, the idea that we wouldn't ask about about that, or you wouldn't ask about that, seems. Seems uh, that would be. That I feel like you would you would be doing a disservice if you didn't ask that,
3: right? And you know, I think it's also important to to remember that police, um, you know, our law enforcement officers collect and track this sort of information as well. You know, when with arrest data and you know jail population data, we are keeping track and have been for quite some time of these basic demographics. Which is, by the way, how we know that there is. Um, an issue with systemic racism in our community. And that is not, uh, you know, I, I want to be clear that that's not necessarily like it's all the police's fault and that is the only source of systemic racism. Um, you know, we, we've heard uh, or I've heard uh, Chief Kudron say at several different meetings that they are also working to educate the public about, you know, what makes for a, sus- a suspicious person. So, for example, if a, if someone is calling the police saying, you know, there's a suspicious person um, on my street and that happens to be a person of color, Um, you know, then is that the, the police's fault for responding to a community request for service? Of course not. But, you know, how do we educate the community to say what is truly a suspicious person? It's just walking down the street, making someone suspicious, you know, and that sort of thing. So we know that these are issues. We know that in part because, like I said, you know, law enforcement collects this data and, and. Looks at and analyzes this this demographic data as well, so it's pretty basic stuff.
0: All right, Jala, here's here here you go. Here's a text. Uh, we uh, I'll just read it verbatim. Ask her specifically. <laughs> so here you go. Why an oversight board now? Actually, you kind of just did. I just did ask you. Uh, we had one hyped up protest related to George Floyd. Our local police are not racist, and they don't they do not need oversight. So uh, uh, is that true? I mean do you not because we're not because the police aren't racist they don't need oversight is that it seems go ahead i'll just let you answer
3: sure you know i think and i guess i'll respond to the why now piece of it and we've heard so this is some of the feedback that we've heard is you know we haven't had something like that happen in our community we haven't had um you know police haven't killed anyone extrajudiciously in our community and that is something that we can you know agree on and also i hope we can agree that we don't want to see that happen Um, And so if we can do put something like this in place that helps to, you know, address issues early on, then we can prevent that from happening in our community. And I think if we can prevent one death or if we can prevent one incident of, you know, um, misuse of force, then that's worth it.
0: When I was a kid and I would watch police shows and they would they would talk about we've done an internal investigation and we've come up to the and I'd be like, whoa, they did it. And I had no idea what that meant. But now as you get older, you kind of internal investigation. Well, maybe you should do an ex- external investigation, have somebody outside the system uh, investigating whatever it is needs investigating. And this isn't that a little bit. It's more of an oversight. Uh, like like we said, it's a citizen's oversight board. Um, but but that's the idea here. Right. Is to get an entity that's not involved with the police or the fire commission or, or, or with the police in the fire and, and have them look at these issues.
3: Well, yeah, and that's, you know, part of, again, what we're looking at, and part of the reason for that survey was to assess within the community what do folks want to see a body like this do? You know, what should the scope of a body like this be? And part of that, it's not, you know, one thing that it's definitely not is just a group of people looking over the shoulder of police constantly criticizing every move they make. Um, there's different models of this, and a big part of what we're looking at is how do we empower folks to, to, Look into you know was uh, was did misconduct occur? Is my concern valid? And if so, how do I address it? You know, so, um, for example, what Madison put into place has some allowances for legal representation for folks who are making a complaint that is determined to be a valid complaint because you know we know that law enforcement has legal representation, they have that access, and many people who might be um, victims of of some sort of misconduct may not have those resources and so there's a, a big broad variety of things that this could look like and that's precisely the reason for the survey is what do we think is most needed here in our community um, so that this serves everyone and makes us all safer.
0: Um, here's another text uh, it's none of the county board's business they have no business telling Onalaska how to run its police department it's, uh, what do you say to that?
3: Um, I guess I'm as far as I'm aware Onalaska is part of the county Um And so that's another piece of what we're looking at and have been recently talking about is expanding the subcommittee or recommending that a more formal committee be put together that includes stakeholders from the surrounding municipalities. Because, of course, I agree, you know, nobody wants um, the city of La Crosse telling on Alaska what to do or Holman what to do, and so we need to have stakeholders from these different municipalities as part of this process um, should it move forward into a more formal planning stage.
0: Well, does the Citizens Oversight Board, are they going to be telling the police departments how to run themselves?
3: They have, I mean, there there wouldn't be no authority to do that um, within the state of Wisconsin. So they could give recommendations. You know, they might say, you know, we're going to look through policies. And and this is something, um, boy, I don't want to misspeak, but I I believe, I don't want to say who, because I might be remembering wrong, but a local law enforcement leader said that they would find that helpful if there was a group to look through policies and perhaps make recommendations of where some changes could be made. So... This is something that, like I said, it's a benefit both ways. It's not, you know, we're going to tell you what to do and you have to do it, um, but it gives some a different perspective in looking at what's currently happening and how might we be able to make some changes or improvements.
0: That's Joella Striebel. She's the chair of the Criminal Justice Management Council subcommittee looking at police oversight, a Citizens Police Oversight Board, essentially. Um, All right, so I ran out of time. I'm not going to be able to ask you any more questions, but I will real quick. When can we expect the results of the survey?
3: Um, you know, I am not the data collection nerd, so okay. I don't have the exact date on that. But I believe we're looking at probably a couple of weeks to maybe a month or so before um, we have that data all analyzed and able to report out on.
0: Okay. All right. Thanks, Jola. Thank you. All right. Bye. All right. One more quick break. We'll be back after this. All right. There's a couple of minutes left here before we head out and bring back Friday, tomorrow. Uh, we got a couple of phone calls. So I just try to get these in before, um, before I got the hard network out. Uh, Clyde, go ahead. Clyde, uh, Clyde. Hey, hey, you're on. Go ahead. Hey,
1: ha- Have you read the, uh, autopsy for George Floyd since George Floyd is the impetus for all this, all these, uh, situations here?
0: Um, not today.
1: Okay. Well, one of the. Several things in George Floyd's autopsy says that he had a faith, fatal, the uh, his in his bloodstream, it was a lethal amount of fentanyl and as much as possible weed, marijuana, as could be possible.
0: He also had that guy sitting on him for how long? Um, seems like that was probably uh, another one of the reasons. Number three, go ahead.
1: Yeah, I was wondering why I didn't get one of them forms to fill out.
0: Because it was online.
1: Oh, they didn't <laughs> mail them out to people.
0: No, we're we're done doing that.
1: I mean, no, the 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 board you were the lady you were just talking to they mailed out a questionnaire.
0: Yeah, that, it was online. You had to go get it. You had to go to the website
1: it's too bad i would i would have filled out that form for
0: him. yeah I, I think uh we had talked about it a couple of different times um but you know you'd have to ask the wife to use her computer i think that's what you had it would have had oh, to do oh
1: yeah or uh, one of my grandkids would have helped me
0: well and then the idea of you pecking away at a keyboard that you're, it would have took you 7 hours to fill out the survey i think
1: well, it would probably been worth it because I know a lot of stuff.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't doubt it. I, I think you would have yeah. maybe have your. I was friends of
1: a lot of cops from the guy working the first beat that night, or to the chief himself. So, I know a lot of people on the fire police commission too that didn't know nothing about fire departments or police departments.
0: So. Yeah, I hear.
1: Okay, you. thanks for uh, taking my call. All
0: right, thanks. Um, all right, that's uh, that's all the time I, I got. I. Uh... I appreciate everyone calling and I appreciate Jessica Olson coming on right before the city council meeting, which is gonna start here pretty quick, and, and Joella Strebel for coming on and talking about the uh the the Citizens Oversight Committee. They're just looking at it. They're looking at something that's going to that they want to look at, you know. Uh very basic stages of this thing. And uh I don't know, I don't see a problem with wanting to to, to discuss it and get people's input and and figure it out as we go. But that's all the time I got.